now it's time for the Ask Dr. Tommy Show, featuring health news, opinion, and insight from Wesley Chapel's concierge medicine physician, Dr. Tommy McElroy. And thank you for joining us today. This is the Ask Dr. Tommy Show. I'm Dr. Tommy McElroy. And for anybody who's ever listened to Ask Dr. Tommy Show, you know we're big fans of Atlas MD, the EMR, and also the practice. But uh, Atlas MD is an EMR that is specially built for membership medicine. So uh, doctors who are practicing direct primary care or, or practicing concierge medicine without insurance and don't need to have all the hassles of meaningful use and click boxes and asking people all these uh, extraneous details that doesn't matter uh, we are able to uh, just short circuit all that and just be more direct with our uh, with our medical uh, record. And uh, very happy to have today on uh, the show uh, Josh, Doctor Josh, who is with Atlas MD, and um, he's going to help walk us through the Atlas MD because there's so many different features to it. Josh, how are you doing today? I'm doing great this morning. Thanks for having us on to talk about this topic. Yeah, you know I've been. St- using atlas md now i don't know three months or so and every day i find a new feature that is just like oh i didn't even realize that was a a benefit so from what i know of atlas md atlas md is an electronic medical record at its basis but it is also a way to track inventory of medications it's also a way to dispense medications it also has a feature for billing has a feature for billing membership and also um, ancillary items um, it has a messaging uh, component where you can have messages sent to you from your patients and embed those into the chart. It has video, which I haven't even used yet, and so just so much of it. What else have I? What else? What have I left out? Uh, boy, um, let's see. It's uh, completely mobile. It uh, manages your staff. It uh, has macros. Uh, it interfaces with patient wearable health devices. Yeah, I mean, we've really tried to um, think of everything. And uh, really, because that's where we started. Uh, I always like to remind people that we started Direct Care six years ago when we were still figuring out what that even meant. And within the first six months, we had collected nine different software platforms that were necessary for the the business of running the business Uh texting emailing scheduling faxing Uh inventory billing shipping uh medical software and and really since none of them talked to each other it it was an exercise in futility to try to be efficient because if you had to update someone's address you had to update it in several different spots Uh so just the the busy work of running the practice kept us from being as available to our patients as we wanted. And it's just been a long process of slowly figuring out what is the next most uh, frustrating thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, not having our our system mobile in the very beginning was one of the biggest. So uh, we were committed to building a web-based platform that could work on any smartphone, tablet, Mm -hmm. desktop, Mac, PC, and... uh, uh, really, it, it, thank goodness our programmers are, are very much Apple-esque. It's, it's that design by subtraction. Mm-hmm. It's how little can we put in there or what can we take away so that there's nothing to distract the doctor or the patient. And, and that, I think, has worked well. Yeah. As far as the mobility is concerned, I was in the office yesterday and I, I saw a few patients and then I went to lunch. And I like to try to do the notes you know, soon thereafter, because then otherwise I you know, may forget or whatever the case is, or there may be something I wanted to put in the note that I'd forget about anyway. So I was, I was, uh, went to lunch and I had a, a few minutes before the meeting started. And so I just went on my phone and I went into the patient's chart and I just tapped it out there on the iPhone. It was a very 
you know, clear, um, sorry, very succinct note, but it hit all the high points and then I was done. I didn't have to, you know, open up windows. I didn't have to go log in and everything. I just, I hit, you know, my, my password was saved. I went into my iPhone, I clicked and then brought up the patient within a couple of clicks. And then within a, a couple other clicks in text, I was done with that note and then on with my life. Yeah. Uh, we had a doc uh, recently tell us it's the most useful app on their phone mm-hmm. because it does sort of overlap so many other apps and they can get a text message, open that up. That has the patient's uh, name, and so they can click there. That opens the mm-hmm. chart from there really quickly at one or two buttons and be in the prescribing module and hit a favorite and fax it out to the patient store. So almost all with your thumb, you can be managing patient care, and the faster it is, the, the sooner you get back to your family or your patients. Right. And... Uh, Doing the work that matters is the important thing. Uh, I think in, in the traditional system, we major in, in the minor. Uh, all the bureaucracy, the red tape, the, the stuff that doesn't add value to the patients. So if you can uh, document a note in a few keystrokes because of a macro mm-hmm. or send a patient a video about uh, low back pain that's educational in a few keystrokes from anywhere that you're at, then nights or weekends with your family – feel less like an interruption and, and, and more seamless communication with your patient. So, Tell us what a macro is. The macros are our version of quick text. Uh, we find that we type a lot of the same things frequently, and that's just not a good use of a doctor's time. So if we can create a system, uh, which we call the macros, we trigger with the hashtag, mm-hmm. but that can be all kinds of things, um, videos, educational material, uh, common phrases for your chart. Mm-hmm. So I have one that is my uh, generic soap note, and it brings up the appointment time, the um, CC format, the allergy history, prescription history, adds my electronic signature, my standard review systems, and physical exam. Uh, and what I'm left it, filling in is the basics of the appointment. And that way I can actually spend more time focusing on making the note sound unique and, and original to the patient, but I'm not just spending a lot of time t- tapping out uh-huh. regular rate and rhythm. And uh, if I want to send something like, oh, yeah, here's this really great information for you on the Mayo Clinic uh, gout diet, then I don't have to go find that every time. I can just do hashtag gout and drop in a whole paragraph with a link and email that off to them and have that synced with my chart so that that communication is is documented uh really minimizes the extra effort and i don't don't know how we would practice without all those features what do you think is the uh, major drawback to commercial non non atlas md emrs meaning the ones that are designed for you know the insurance-based practice it's all of this other things that we don't need to worry about so how is it that you know, Atlas MD is able to do this, but this, how, how, why can't other insurance, why can't insurance based practices do this? I mean, is it just because of the government requirements that they have to do all this other stuff? I think that's a large part of it. Uh, when the customer is not your main customer, then there's a lot of distraction that gets built into that. You have a bureaucratic process trying to dictate how software is built. And, and I think before meaningful use in some of those earlier stages, we had a lot of innovation. Then once there was a financial benefit to the doctor, if their EMR did specific things that the government wanted, mm-hmm. and that dictated almost the majority of, of 
innovation and development in the space. We all have to go through this bottleneck if we want the doctor to get the money mm-hmm. for the software. And that ended up being the devil's money anyways because it was taxed or they want to try to claw it back or different things. So that didn't end up working out as well for the physicians as, as they had hoped. But it really set the technology industry back 10 or 15 years. I think they're so focused on what the government says we can build. Mm-hmm. We have one building in the same direction versus for us, besides just the business model of not focusing on insurance and government regulation, is we can say, what does a doctor need to take care of a patient better? Mm-hmm. And when we put everything up against that yardstick, it really gives us an efficient way to say what is worth developing, what is not. Um, no other EMR gets a lot of credit for being mobile. It's not a requirement. The other EMRs aren't mobile. These are uh, server-heavy platforms built for administrative work, billing, coding, documentation, less so for patient care. And the consequence of that is it doesn't port over to a mobile platform at all, yeah, alone well. So they're, they're not trying to fix that problem for the doctors but that difference in business model, too. I want to take care of my patients wherever I'm at, but I don't want it to be a burden. Right. I, I don't want to have to drive back to the office. Uh, and for the model to be successful, it has to be as easy on my family life as possible. And, and we hear that a ton. I, I think doctors uh, expect this to be harder than the status quo. And really, if they put the current model under the microscope they put DPC under, they'd realize that DPC is the much better opportunity for family life, for income, for patients, for professional satisfaction. So now that we're asking the right questions, we can solve the right problems. And for doctors, that's simplicity, mobility, patient interface, a streamlined billing, um, when the average physician is five or six employees and we have half an employee per physician, we can pass those savings on to the doc or to the, the patient, but also means we're only doing the work that matters. Yeah. You know, that back to the point before when we talked, you said that, you know, we're working smarter in membership medicine. We're doing less work, uh, and less work directly one-on-one, but we're doing working smarter. We're doing things like uh, using Atlas MDMR and then not wasting time on doing things that aren't uh, directly related to patients. Uh, this is the Ask Dr. Tommy Show. I'm talking with Dr. Josh Umber of Atlas MD. We're talking about his EMR. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, some of the things that are going on in medicine. Maybe uh, you've heard of Brexit, and there's something called Drexit that people are talking about, doctors exiting uh, insurance-based medicine. So we'll talk a little bit more about that when we come back. Hey, everyone. There's no doubt you have questions about what happens in concierge medicine. More specifically, what would it look like if you did something similar too? I want to tell you about a gathering place where you can find answers to those questions and others and learn just what exactly these types of doctors do. On August 12 and 13 in Atlanta, Georgia, the 2016 Concierge Medicine Assembly hosted by Concierge Medicine Today is a place where you can be creative for a few short hours, explore those what-if questions, and interact with other physicians kneecap to kneecap who've rescued their career and live to talk about it. To learn more, visit conciergemedicineassembly.com. We hope to see you in Atlanta this fall. And thank you for joining us again. This is Ask Dr. Tommy Show, and I'm Dr. Tommy McElroy, and I just want to invite you to 
go to atlas.md. This is the Atlas MD EMR. And if you're interested in uh, finding out about, you know, how does Atlas MD work? There's a there's blog there. There's all kinds of videos, and you can read about it. But you can actually start using Atlas MD today if you're a physician who's trying to uh, consider switching to direct care, or if you've already done it and uh, you want to uh, use Atlas MD. You can use Atlas MD for a trial period of 30 days. And if you tell them that Dr. Tommy referred, you can get it for 60 days. So that's an excellent no-lose uh, proposition, and uh, uh, we're very happy to be able to do that in, in conjunction with Atlas MD. Um, when we were talking during the break, we were talking about this Brexit. Uh, Britain was left, left the U, uh, United uh, European Union. And now because of some of the things that are going on in insurance-based medicine, particularly the acronym is MACRA, there's all these regulations that are causing doctors to consider jumping ship and maybe leave the insurance uh, industry. Whereas, you know, this is like the tipping point. Um, have you seen or heard that and since you, a lot of doctors are talking to you and calling you, have you been hearing from doctors uh, who are doing a Drexit? Absolutely. Uh, I think the um, insurance world continues to get worse month by month, year by year. And the longer direct primary care has been a growing, stable, thriving business model, then the, the more painful the insurance system gets and the more attractive DPC gets, the more willing doctors are to explore their options. Uh, but Medscape had a great article recently about the uh, exodus that they expect from small practices because of MACRA being that it's, it's otherwise um, – not going to be something that smaller practices can even um, complete, let alone thrive with. Uh, another layer of bureaucracy that will dictate your payment. And if you don't do it well enough, you'll get a penalty, even though you've already spent the time, energy, money uh, to try to comply with that. Not that that is inherently wrong, but it, if it's not adding value to the patient doctor experience, why are we doing it? Mm -hmm. Why healthcare is expensive? We have more bureaucracy around that than than most countries. Um, and then the scary stat that CMS estimates eighty seven percent of the nation's solo practices, which is uh, over a hundred thousand physicians, will face a penalty in two thousand nineteen because of MACRA. Um, I think that says it's designed to support uh, or, or to be something that larger mm -hmm. systems are going to um, thrive at, not the smaller practices. So this is just yet another nail in the coffin uh, of insurance-based um, uh, solo practice, uh, small practice. But I, I think that's a good thing. Uh, it'll finally get physicians to realize that there's just a better way, mm -hmm. a more sensible way. We you know, pound the drum of, of value all the time and everything can be uh, again held to that yardstick if macro is adding uh, cost accessibility affordability to the patient physician relationship then it would be a good thing if it's not then it's not a good thing and direct primary care offering unlimited visits no copays free procedures wholesale meds and labs and uh, decreased cost on imaging, pathology, specialty visits, and even helping employers decrease insurance premiums by up to 60%. That's true value, and it actually requires less paperwork uh, overall, uh, let alone the, the new burden of MACRA. So I, I think it'll start to become a, a very easy decision for physicians to say, yep, uh, I'm going to uh, exit this, this whole process 
because I can do better for my patients in the new model. Yeah, I think those small practices, they're faced with an option. One, well, they're faced with three options. One of them is be punished, lose yeah. money, eventually be ground out of business through these overwhelming regulations. Two, join a hospital corporation or a big uh, uh, a corporation, essentially, that's going to be able to absorb the cost of doing this uh, bureaucracy because they can have a whole division of their uh, employment dedicated to compliance, you know, call it the uh, ministry of uh, compliance or ministry of, you know, health, love or whatever. And then you have the other option, the third option, which is the most, uh, I guess, in some people's minds, the scariest option, depending on your um, depending on your aptitude and depending on your willingness to be an entrepreneur. But that's to go out and be a, you know, do your own thing, work for patients directly. And that's I think those three options, like you said, it's almost a good thing. It's not a good thing that we're being that we as physicians are being led to this um, uh, decision point where we have to either jump off a cliff or or jump into this uh, you know passing van that we may not want to get into or go this other hard way and try to find our own way down the down the valley. Um, but I think it is good though because it brings to light this this overwhelming. Uh, regulatory burden that is grinding physicians out of the medicine business, making life miserable. And uh, there is an option out there. And you're right, you know, physicians can leave and, you know, with a little bit of um, research, it's very easy to find out if it's right for you. Yeah. Uh, and, and that gets easier all the time with all the doctors showing their successful versions of the model. They're um, happy to talk. We just had the great AFP conference uh, I'll be going out to the Kentucky AFP in uh, Arizona in, I'm sorry, in uh, Kentucky in August and then out to Arizona for an insurance conference uh, about DPC later in August. The fact that we had an insurance company allied national at the AFP conference, uh, and I tried to point that out, the, the irony that at a, a conference held for insurance-free physicians. The insurance companies are there saying, hey, we want to work with you and we see the benefit to employers and this is decreasing costs and payouts and improving care. Uh, that says the tide is turning. Mm -hmm. that, um, and then uh, Doctors for Patient Care is doing another excellent conference uh, in October uh, in Dallas. So this is becoming more and more mainstream, again, practically by the month. So physicians can uh, feel very proud about that change. What was the name of the insurance company that did the um, that came to your event or came to the um, non-insurance doctor event? What was the name of it? Allied National Insurance. They're based out of Kansas City, which was the American Academy of Family Physicians had their uh, DPC summit. And we've worked with that group for uh, four or five years, and they've been wonderful for our employers. We actually have employers paying less for insurance each year uh, as they grow because of that intelligent combination of insurance-free DPC with an employer wraparound. Um, so this is Pandora's box, I think. I don't think we can ever step back. Uh, Peter Thiel, or maybe it was Peter Diamonds, the author, uh, someone asked him, uh, can you predict what will change in the next 20 years? And, and they had a great answer to this, which was no, nobody can predict uh, a Facebook, a Twitter, an Airbnb, uh, an Uber. Mm -hmm. But what we can predict is what won't change. Consumer will always want a better product uh, at a lower price. Mm -hmm. They're always going to be focused on quality and convenience and accessibility. Uh, and you can use that metric to say, well, that makes sense why 
Uber and Airbnb and Netflix and all these other unicorn startups are doing uh, such great work. If we apply that to medicine, it only makes sense then that DPC will continue to become the predominant model for for delivering care, even across specialties and, and uh, across uh, developments to the, the base model, because patients will always want more affordable care, more, better care, more accessible care. They're going to want to pay less for medicines, labs, imaging, insurance. And now that they know they can save 95%, it's just you, you can't close the lid on that. Yeah, I agree. And you know, one of our patients talking about you know people, what you can predict is that people are always going to want something that's better. Is uh, one of our patients, Jan Longo. She's a communication specialist with uh, corporate um, communication specialist, but she describes it's what's called a buyer's journey. And the buyer's journey is you have an awareness stage, so the patient the prospect is experiencing or expressing symptoms of a problem or opportunity. And then there's a consideration stage. And it says prospect is now clearly defined and given a name to their problem or opportunity. So there's that's where that's where patients are now. Yeah. And then there's the decision stage. And it says prospect is now decided on their solution strategy or method or approach. What a lot of people out there, employers, uh, physicians themselves, patients don't realize is there is a decision stage where you can jump to this alternative method, which solves your problem. It's like um, Steve Jobs said before, when Apple developed the iPhone. They designed something that everyone, or not everyone, a lot of people wanted, but they just didn't know it yet. Yes. So I think, you know, we've designed something in membership medicine, direct primary care, concierge medicine, where people want this. Every time I meet a new person who's never heard of it, they're like, well, that's a great idea. And that we're trying to get from that consideration stage to the decision stage to show them this is one of your choices. You don't have to be uh, stuck. You're not, you're a free individual, uh, free breathing American. You can choose this if you'd like. Yeah, I, I, such a great quote there. I, uh, to piggyback on that, I think uh, Henry Ford said something. If you ask the customer what they want, they'll say a faster horse. Uh, we want to give them not something uh, better. We want to give them different. And uh, the, the opportunity here to give them something so wonderfully different, uh, that 10x improvement that Silicon Valley demands from any other innovative startup, we can solve their medication cost problem, their lab cost problem, uh, their insurance problem, their access problem. Uh, it start you start to say, what aren't we fixing? And now it'll take on, you know on average six to eleven years for a startup to really change the world. And I think DPC is sort of at year five, maybe uh, heading towards year six. Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of interesting things in store for the next few years. Well, it's changing every day and it's getting better every day. Every day I get a Google alert that there's a new practice opening. So I think that, like you said, Pandora's box has been open. There's no putting it back in and it's just going to continue to uh, grow and grow and grow. And, and that's great for us. It's great for um, the patients. It's great for companies too. And it's great overall. In the end, it will be great for insurance companies if they can adapt to it because they will be able to be insurance companies. But you know, it's a it's uphill battle, but we're fighting it every day, and we're fighting it for the right reasons. And uh, Dr. Josh, I'm so happy to have you on, and thank you for sharing with us today, and uh, sharing with us about the EMR and about direct primary care. Absolutely, thanks for having me on again. You're welcome. And please, like I said, if you're interested in Atlas Atlas MD, the EMR, go to Atlas.md. If you're interested in trying it. Tell them Dr. Tommy recommended it, and then you will get 60 days uh, free trial. And uh, that will be one of the best uh, opportunities that you have uh, to test drive an EMR. It's mind-blowing. 
Um, this Ask Dr. Tommy show, if you have a desire to see more of Ask Dr. Tommy shows, go to iTunes. And if you want to go to AskDrTommy.com, we have uh, commentary, written commentary, uh, video, and then uh, some podcasting stuff. So there's a lot of stuff there for you to go uh, find out about. Uh, this is Ask Dr. Tommy show. And until next time, bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today. For more show news and information, go to AskDrTommy.com. And be sure to follow Dr. Tommy on Facebook at Echelon Health and on Twitter at Tapa Direct Care. To learn more about Echelon Health Concierge Medicine Practice, visit Echelon Health online at TampaDirectCare.com.